Micah Thomas. I am Big Brother Love. My name is Justice McCormick. And together, we, we are, are the People's, People's Voices. Voices. Welcome to the People's Voices, a podcast by the people for the people. I'm your host, Big Brother Love, alongside with my other host, Mr. Jamstate. Uh, please tell us, Justice, what's new about our show so far? Well, what's new about our show is we've pretty much been doing the same thing that we've been doing from the start, which is bringing a voice to concerns that not a lot of people may care to talk about or feel that may get them in trouble. But this, as you know from the very start, is a no-holds-barred show. So we talk about everything here, and we're not afraid to voice our opinions. And if we got a hot-button issue to talk about, you best believe that we're going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, yes, for sure. From when we started off talking about uh, the legalization of marijuana, uh, some disability issues you and I both touched on. And unfortunately, that tragic shooting that happened in Greetown a couple months ago in the summer. And uh, we just kind of build a show on from there. We know some of these topics haven't been, you know, quite, as people would say, happy. And unfortunately, in the world we live in, it isn't always that type of case. And there is more bad things happening now. But these are serious topics that do need to be addressed. And let me sit here and address them. But how do we go forward as citizens of Toronto or of any country for that matter who should be hearing this or is not hearing this. And I look forward to seeing some of the more interesting topics. And we won't be throwing it back to, you know, old topics we touched based on, such as, you know, our thoughts about journalism so far, or the more recent one we did, OSAP, which, you know, that was a huge topic on its own. But uh, the people's voices, do you have some new things going on? So Justice, please tell us about that. Well, we're looking to expand and bring on some new members. Like we're looking at classmates, but we're also looking at, at, at lots of people. And so we're looking to bring up, because we want our show to be diverse. Because we want it to be the people's voices, not one person's voice. The people's voices. So we want to get really get like a wide, diverse cast member. Cast, um, group, um, cast of people. Sorry. So basically, we'd like to get people of all races, people of all nationalities of all religions um gender fluid so that's why we want to keep this show going and so we want to invite all people from all different kinds of backgrounds and coming from all different types of areas yeah so one of our newer or he's been on the show for a couple months but hasn't been active uh too often because of school work but that's sometimes how it is uh drew serene who's a second year journalism student he will be helping us with social media and you know behind the scenes uh, camera work and stuff like that. We haven't too far narrowed on anything else for him, but uh, he's one of the other members who will be eventually making more of a presence on the show. So Justice, tell us about another new member. And our other new member, I'm not going to bring mention to her name just yeah. yet, but just know that it is a woman. And so basically, because we want, because so far it's just mostly male-sided for our podcast, but we want to bring on female as well. I'm not going to bring too much word to her name just yet, but just know that she is very someone who's very much looking forward to get on board with us. And so yeah. maybe her entrance will be a bit of a surprise for you guys. It probably will be. And I'm not too sure if you're familiar with this, but we do also two other members who are willing to help us out. You know, our boy Paul from uh, journalism class. He's a member on the show as well, but his role is yet to be defined. But just note, though, all members will eventually have time to be a host on the show from time to time, and we each rotate as that. But we still ha all have our own roles we will play, let's sort of say, behind the screen then. And we do also have another woman joining the show. And Justice, please tell us about Natalie. Yep, so Natalie, she's one of my, she's one of my favorite people. She has been part of our journalism program from the very start, and she's a very interesting individual. And she's not afraid to give up and voice her opinion and things sometimes may be a bit harder for her in certain areas. She she never lets that stop her and she's out, never afraid to give her all. I know she'll get 
definitely de- devote herself to this podcast. Oh yeah, for sure. And we're looking forward to working with these people. And uh, since we do have, I guess, more diverse and you know bigger casts, we will be relocating to a different space to uh, broadcast episodes and to do a work on re- pertaining to the people's voices. So the next time we're likely all together, which I hope we will be, and you will notice we're in a different location as well, and there will be a bigger sort of behind-the-scenes role, which you know people who are watching this or listening to it may not completely know about. But uh, through social media, though, we'll be announcing the new members, giving a bit of bio about them as they have written, and our sites will be updated. Now, as you know, for our introduction as well, we also, you know, the three of us usually say our name and we do follow by We Are The People's Voices, so that will be changed up a bit as well. The music will be the same, but the intro will be a bit different given who is hosting that day and what the topic is. But as for, you know, ending credits, everyone will be uh, credited for that as for what they did for that uh, specific episode or things to be. But to mention it, though, we're actually in the halfway point of season one for the people's voices. And that right there is a happy accomplishment because we started about last last May. And we, here we are and we're now February 2019. Of course, I would like to see a little more episodes so far, but that's okay. Sometimes long study is <laughs> always better. And we started in May, and here we are, like halfway point. The more halfway in season one will be completed. The one's a little slow. Again, sometimes slow and better. Slow and what has it going? Slow and steady is better. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, even though season one is slower, we still put, still put a lot of work into it, and a lot of uh, great things have came out of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing, especially with the... Uh, the, uh, the new cast as well, or more like, I guess, the extended cast now, how we will go forward and, you know, help each other out and things like that. And we're always open to members from the, from the community joining on as well. So if you've been following our podcast and listening along and feel like you have your own voice that you like to dedicate and don't want it to be like a semi, um, um, a semi part, like we always talk about, like we always say, oh, we'll bring you on for a segment. But if you feel like you want a more permanent position, we're always looking for people to come aboard. So if you feel like, even if you don't want to be maybe on mic or on camera, but like want to do something in the background, see social media or advertisements. We're always looking to bring people aboard. Yes, that's for sure. You don't necessarily need to be in camera, but you know, if you're passionate and want to be hosting as well, we can arrange that. But some of the positions just to, uh, to um, uh, quickly go over around, you know, hosting, uh, technical setup, uh, advertising, social media. Uh, we will eventually need, or soon we will need um, a time checker person. That's, you know, to help when we're doing audio and video work, which uh, we'll kind of touch base with on the group more. And essentially what it means, like, you know, someone who keeps time, okay, here's a video, here's the audio. So therefore, when I edit it in, uh, in the editing software, I'll be able to do it a little easier and, you know, not too much of an issue. Because the thing is, when we use a DSLR camera, some people may know this, some people may not, it's limited to roughly 20 to 30 minutes at a time. So you got to shoot in segments. And, you know, with the recorder, the audio is going to be continuous. So we got to kind of sync it up pro- or better. It sounds a bit difficult if you have no idea what I'm talking about, but Justice probably has some idea. And, you know, we're making it work, though, and we surely are. And, you know, we're looking to, you know, even get more guests on the show, more hosting, and eventually, as, you know, school isn't so much of an issue in a way. Podcasts as often as we can. With that being said, though, the three of us, including our Michael, who you may realize is absent today because yeah. <laughs> he's got his own school commitments as well, or, you know, we will have more time to handle the show and take care of it, while our other members will eventually be returning in September. But I hope, you know, the schedule isn't too hectic, too hectic that, you know, you don't see them at all. But if that's the scenario we're looking at, you know, don't worry, we'll make it work. And we always find a way to make it work. If we got to film separately, you know, do a segment kind of thing, that's fine with me. So now that we kind of touch base on our milestones for the season, Justice, take us to, uh, I guess, a more 
sort of what we're going to talk about today. It's a bit heavier as well, but, you know, it's also an important story or an important matter for that fact that needs to be talked about. So, Justice, uh, maybe you can start off with what is it we're going to talk about and how did you hear about it? So, I was checking my phone the other night and I didn't get the alert myself, but many of you, because I was out of the country at the time, but many of you here may have received an uh, alert early the other morning saying that a young 11-year-old girl from Brampton was missing, an Amber Alert went out, and and then saying that she was missing. And this was when she was just missing at the time. And then from there, um, not too many people responded. A lot of people actually um, called in saying, a lot of people actually were saying, oh, this woke me up at 3 or 4 in the morning. I'm supposed yeah. to be sleeping. Which I will touch on more on that, because yeah. I like to talk about that part yeah, as well. Of course. Meanwhile... This little girl is supposed to be sleeping as well, but clearly she's not because she's missing. And so, and so it went on, not too many people responded or called in with tips, not to say that people had tips and withheld information, but the point is no one said anything. And so from there, it was discovered that she was abducted by her father and her father, unfortunately, it's looking like he ended up killing her. And so the little girl is now dead. Because no one spoke up and no one said anything. I know. Did you hear it on the Friday happened or after? I'm not too sure of the exact day because, like I said, I was out of the country. Yeah. And kind of when you're out of the country, you kind of lose so track of the So you really days. track, okay, when but exactly all, picked up on it. All I know, it was, it, was from, it was carrying on from about, I'd say, if I flew out on Wednesday. I'd say it was carrying on from about Friday till, and I heard, I've been hearing it ever since. Yeah. Well, as for me, I went to bed like, maybe around 10 Thursday. And typically these days, I just turn my phone off because I rather not... I wouldn't say I would rather not be, you know, already by something like that. It's more like yeah. distractions of friends or family, something like that. Or it's like, I don't really, you know, take my phone to bed either. In some sense, I changed about that. So I just use a separate alarm clock. So anyway, about maybe 6.30 Friday morning, I turn on my phone and I see how much notifications coming as usual. I see one about the Amber Alert, but I don't really click on it or, you know, get the full-blown story. I just says missing girl, 11-year-old from Brampton. Mm-hmm. And that was all I knew in the morning. And I went to the Humber, Humber College guys, where we you know, do our program. I went to the newsroom, but the ironic part was the TVs or no news was actually playing that day in the newsroom. I didn't really think it was strange because there have been a few times that happened. But typically, they turn on and, you know, they're blasting so we can hear. But the whole day went by and, like, I didn't hear anything. I didn't really check my phone to follow up that Amber Alert either. It wasn't really till. I got home. But the thing is, I don't know if my other classmates maybe checked check the story or knew more about it because, you know, could have been a possibility. But truth is, I didn't ask if there was any breaking news or anything. And no one seemed to mention either. So that tells me maybe they didn't really follow it up or they knew or just didn't say anything. Or they just didn't know at all. Either way, it wasn't until I got home, you know, my parents or more like my mom was telling me, here's the news of what happened. And I'm thinking, what dead girl is she talking about? Then she made a reference here. Did your phone, you know, beep off last night? Then I was like, oh, the Amber Alert, that she, you know, made a reference to that, and said that was the girl who died. So I was a little confused, because I'm thinking, an Amber Alert, now yeah. you're dead? What happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was as far as I knew at the time. Later on, I found out, okay, that here's a guy, that's the little girl, and here's the family who apparently got interviewed, you know, that evening, or maybe afternoon as well. But they were on, you know, on the 6 o'clock news, mm-hmm. and so forth. And, uh, you know, mom told me, okay, this person also a guy in East, which, you know, which is where we are as well. But I didn't find the nationality matter because it could have been any nationality that this tragic event happened in. And unfortunately, it was just 
in our own backyard of Brampton, where, you know, and the thing is, I think, you know, it's really, could be puzzling people who are just, you know, really heartbroken about, you know, this was your own parent. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, you got abducted from the street, yeah. walked into a stranger's home, or they literally were candy or something like that. No, it was actually someone who you would, I don't know, trust for your life, I guess. Yeah. And maybe the girl did deliver that, regardless of what sort of things he may have been. And the truth is, we won't get to know that. But even if you think, okay, I hate my dad, you really never do. Because let's say I can make a reference to my dad. He wasn't a bad guy, but he had some criminal things going down. And for that, at the moment, I thought, okay, I hate him. Well, the truth is, I didn't hate him. I hate what he, hated what he did, though. Because there's always going to be some kind of love that's there for your parents. Even as, you know, as who they are, maybe, which is good or bad, depending on how a person looks at it. Yeah. Now, has she been alive? That may be her confusion to yeah. the story right now. Yeah. And things like that. With that being said, though, like, and I don't really keep tabs on, let's say, child abduction or murders throughout the years. But it wouldn't be the first time I heard about it. I know this is the last time, but, you know, given that this is your father we're talking about. I guess, we'll put it this way, I was angry. And I'm sure everybody was. You want to see how this guy deserves jail time, he's a scumbag or whatever. But at the same time, I'm a person who's compassionate. So I kind of analyze, you know, like I usually do. Okay, true, I'm angry at this guy. But then I'm thinking, what will cause him to do that? What does Aki happen? Was he hiding himself from his family the whole time? What is Aki as a character here? Then, you know, as Michael would say, these guys are ungodly. And I don't disagree with that. Which, you know, which will make you think, did the devil somehow, you know, attempt to take control of you to do that? And I see, you know, this is something as evil. Because it really takes a lot for you to, not, you know, I guess, destroy somebody. But this is family, and none of was the family, it was a child. And not he was a child, it was your child too. So I see, it's okay, the, the, the enemy or devil or whatever you want to call him, or as I call it, just the enemy. It's very real to say God is real. So, you know, that enemy can tempt us and make us do something that, you know, mm-hmm. we never expect we ourselves could even do. Or we didn't even know we have that type of power. Yeah. Now, we consider being the devil play games. Then you think, well, this is a man who actually did it. You're right, you're right. That doesn't mean we can't have, you know, demonic forces we follow or somehow try to attack us to do kind of things. It's kind of like, you know, a good conscience, bad conscience. And we've seen that type of thing on TV shows. Yeah. You see, like, the angel there or the devil there, and they're both telling you, let's do my side. Or, you know, this is right, this is wrong, and stuff like that. I guess the point is I'm trying to say, though, devil or whatever you want to cause. Whatever your theory is about this, you know, it was evil. Evil for sure. Because, you know, this is family, and that's the father. And what I can say is, like, I'm out of words, because, you know, what can you really say? Had the father survived, which, you know, he passed away last night from his own gunshot wound, apparently. It was like, who knows where he went up. He would probably been in prison with four walls with no windows. And that's the key to torture right there. Now, I'm only making guesses. I don't think about the justice rules or anything like that. Or not, you know, it's not really, I guess, my bag of knowledge. Might be some for other members, should they want to talk about it. But yeah, I would imagine some, some sort of punishment like that. Or sometimes you got to wonder, would you have gotten off lightly? Would you have been diagnosed with what they could have found out to be? Now, I want to touch base on that, though. A lot of times, you know, we find out criminals or have some sort of meant, I guess, how do we say it? Some sort of health, mental health condition then. Or intellectual, if you know, prefer that word. That turns out that we're leading to probably do this or that, which could be schizophrenia or something like that, for example. Which I see, okay, there's a possibility for that. And anyone of any nationality. But here's the thing, though. We diagnose a guy or a girl, and we never see them get help. Or the news never says that they had been thrown in a rehab program or whatever. Now, there's another side to think about. Well, if, okay, they don't want to agree to that if we're looking at that scenario. Well, I can't really comment on that. I just know, okay, if we don't try to just get help for a person, and say, okay, why it's good to get help? And if they agree, why well, we should go forward with that? 
lot of time I just seen to get slapped slap with a label 25 years ago. Then I was like, there's a chance he could change in that 25 years, but if you don't, you know, try to help him out and, you know, with them agreeing as well, you never know. And I'm not saying, you know, this father was to be a good guy or a bad guy. We all have good or bad things about ourselves. And just from my perspective, I was mad and angry, but I'm also a compassionate person. Why is why I thought it was really that. Now, throwing it back to Justice, what was your thinking when maybe you first read it or as it progressed? It really broke my heart to follow along with the story. Like, I was seeing the tweets coming in. Like, I wasn't in the country, but I was but I was outside of the country, and I was seeing the tweets coming on my phone. So I was still following along with the story. And it really broke my heart to see how the story progressed, how it went from missing girl to girl found dead because I did not get the Amber Alerts, but I but I found out. So I went through a series of emotions, like you said. Like I went through, like I was sad, like I was concerned, like oh missing girl, and then like and then I went and then I became and then I was like oh Amber Alert, and and then oh it said like oh she was killing like and then I was sad, and then when I came to find out that there that um a lot of people were complaining about the Amber Alert that just enraged me yeah please you tell us about that now because like that is absolutely ridiculous because you have people saying how oh i got woken up at three or four in the morning um meanwhile some people are getting up at three and four in the morning to get ready for work but that's besides the point the point i'm trying to say is while you were complaining that it, that it interrupted your sleep momentarily meanwhile this girl's life has been interrupted while you you can still go on and do about your things, you can go and get back your sleep, but she can't go and get back her life. Her life is gone, and that really is what's sad about it now. Because yeah, and the thing is, like that was just people on selfishness. Don't get me wrong, though. When you're cozy in bed at that time of the hour, even I probably want to get up unless I'm going to the bathroom or whatever, and I probably wouldn't want to be interrupted either. But you have to look at the I guess the logic of that situation. We're talking about a young girl who's 11, who you know should be in bed sleeping as well with her parents or at least in the house. Or something like that. But no, that wasn't the scenario. So you got to put us where selfish side. I think about it though. What if that was your child or someone or someone or someone's child you knew? Or for that matter, some kid you happen to know and you, you, know, you get along with them or they trust you or whatever. Would you not be concerned too? I would like to think so. Rather than saying, hey, I'm going back to bed, let the cops handle it. Well, well, true, we got cops, but you know, we can't put all the pressure on them. They too are just people in the end. And they can be held to the law as well. And I'm not saying, you know, cops are all evil or good. They got their, you know, their own sort of bag to handle as well. And to handle a job like that, especially when, you know, night out and you're talking about a kid, who knows what they might going through their minds as well. And it's like, they might have been feeling, they probably want to yell at you saying, are you being selfish or something? But, you know, they got a job to do as well. The point I'm trying to say is, though, when things like that happen, we should get up and help each other. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Because if that was you in, in a position, I'm sure you want to help too. Now, I don't say this to make you feel bad. I say this to bring up to, to what's where I guess awaken you to the real reality of that situation. Truth is, that could be any one of us who was that age. And you know, the thing that makes it even more scary is like she was in the house with a family member. Now, some people are saying, Well, I'm in Ottawa and all that. Did it make sense to get it? True, you're in Ottawa, but what if the guy tra- had, you know, had colleagues and he traveled to Ottawa? I'm not saying that happened, but what if that could have happened? Or what if you walk on a street five o'clock, you're like, Hey, I recognize that guy from the news. Or it'd be like, uh, you never recognize it because you ever checked the Amber Alert or you didn't bother to, I guess, keep tabs on it then. Yeah. Which to me is not selfish. It's true, it's not your responsibility, but yeah. think about it. I really found it selfish that people were complaining, saying, oh, I'm in Ottawa. But I don't know if you realize, yeah, it happened. The adoption happened in Brampton. She was adopted from her home in Brampton. Yeah. But the guy was found miles away. If I'm not mistaken, the guy was found all the way in Aurelia. 
There you oh, go. Really? That's you, nowhere yeah. near Brampton. And so then I just find it really selfish. And then it's not even like people just all complained or like people took like, because at first people took to Twitter saying, oh, well, this is actually like, this is actually bothering me. And I can't believe, oh, this is waking me up. But then to find out that people actually took, had the audacity to call into the police station saying, and yes, complain, yes. saying, oh, I can't believe I'm getting these ambulances. Well, like, what is wrong with you guys? And then not even to say that, oh, one on one hand, they're complaining. Like, that's a, like, that's a little girl's life they're talking about, complaining about the ambulance. And then on the other hand, they're actually freeing, they're actually busying up the police line when they could be dealing with important calls. So, like, that's just ridiculous. And that's just extreme selfish. Like, we should be stronger as a community. We should be coming together and be like, yeah, yeah, maybe losing a couple moments of sleep. But let's get together and let's figure out what's going on. I'm not saying... That, like, oh, people who had information withheld it, but, like, something could have been done. You could have gotten... That's what these ambulances are for. They're so that way, um, a missing person becomes a found person instead of a missing person becoming a dead person. Like, that's not what... That's yeah, not what, and that's for not all we know... That's happen. And for all we know, you could have had connection to Ottawa. You could have actually had, you know, some people driving him off or whatever. That wasn't the scenario, actually, though. But, you know, you got to think about those what-ifs. And, you know, that's... Hence, I guess, the cops thinking about that, or some of them, if not all. But at the same time, though, these Amber Alerts, or these, more like these emergency alerts, then, there's a reason they crack through your phone. In other words, it doesn't matter if it's silence. If you put on silence or not, it's going to still beep off. And there's a reason for that. So you can, okay, there's danger lurking around. Or, you know, if you have any information, you know what to do. Or if you have anything else that can help, yeah. And so what if you get interrupted for five minutes? Or you think, yourself, I don't know how to help these guys. Just go find a way to help. And, you know, if you decide to go back to bed, no one condemns you for that either. Sometimes, you know, you don't know how to help or you're not in that wake-up state of mind sometimes. And that's okay. At least, you know, you got the alert or you thought it over. That's the part that matters. We're not saying everybody jump out of bed and, you know, start a search party with a dog yeah, or something. No, no, no. I'm no. not saying that. Yeah, I'm just no, saying no, yeah, no. That's least. what I'm saying, though. No. no one condemns you if you went back to sleep, if that's what happened to you. We're just saying, okay, it was an alert. If you had anything you knew about or you thought maybe there's a way you can help. By all means, do it. Exactly. But if you need to realize there's nothing, and maybe you weren't even awake yet, yeah. no one condemns you from going back to bed. Exactly. Not saying you have to jump out of bed for repetition, yeah. but at least take two seconds to pay attention to it. There's a reason it's called an amber alert. Like, just take time to look at it. The same way you check your text, why can't you check out the amber alert? Yeah. And, you know, this emergency system is a good idea for these kinds of things, amber alerts or whatever kind of alerts, to alert, the, you know, the communities, I should say. And, you know, if there's any way we can help, I'd say go help. And if you can't, you know, don't condemn yourself for that. Just say, okay, I thought it over, but I don't think I can help or something like that. And that's fine, too. Because the cops or, let's just say, the government authorities don't, probably won't expect everybody to, you know, run out of their backyards in. But they may expect some people if, you know, they're able to help. And it really is just saying, this is not the first case. Like, you're telling me about another case that you heard about? Yeah. So I was actually telling Justice about two cases, which this is a really long time ago. Now, the reason I'm going back to those two cases is because they, not only were they big, they're the most sort of sharpest things I can remember about, you know, this type of, I guess, emergency situation. Then. And throughout the years, I've heard of more kids, I should say, you know, being adopted ad- adopted or things like that, which I haven't kept too much tabs on it. And frankly, my memory's kind of faded off from that. Now, you're saying I probably could have done some research. That's true. But the reason I'm going back to, to uh, 2003 within the Toronto community is like, you know, those are big murders. In fact, I'll start, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was May 2003. A uh, 10-year-old girl named um, Holly Jones walking home with her friends from one day from school. And I think somewhere along the timeline when she said goodbye to her friends, it was a while after her parents realized she didn't show home or show show up. So, okay, I'm getting tongue-tied. But she didn't show up, you know, where she should have been, which would be home. 
And the thing was like, um, the same evening, I think at maybe six o'clock ish, they realized, okay, our door is not here. It's getting dark. Well, what's going on? And at the same time, some other guy who apparently was, you know, I guess not so much of an unfamiliar face with the neighbors and other people, food blocks down the street. I don't know how many blocks, maybe a couple houses down. No, he was the guy who took her. And the thing that I'm not was even more frightful about that, not only did he take her and, you know, okay, held her hostage, he sexually assaulted her as well. And you're talking about 10-year-old here. And half of them weren't even old enough to develop those kinds of feelings yet to understand, you know, why a guy might turn or not do that. To, and to be honest, that's irrelevant right now. But the point is he adopted her, did his thing, and somewhere between them, he strangled her. And to cover his own tracks, he kind of, I guess, dismantled the body and kind of just threw it all over the town. Eventually, the police found him, though. You know, found his fingernails or whatever on DNA on the girl. Eventually, you know, he was... Eventually, I think he said... Well, eventually he came out and he said, okay, I'm guilty over that. But at first he didn't when the police caught him or he denied to prove his DNA on that was sinking with the DNA on the girl. And the thing is, that was a big story that year. And I never, after all these years, I didn't quite remember it. But last month I referred back to an article to kind of get an idea. For some reason, I just Google searched it. I don't know what led me to that. And there was like a 10-year 10, 10 anniversary article in 2014 about it. And some recently updated stuff, you know, about the article that was written then. But all of a sudden, everything just came back to you. I remember it was a big story that year. Like, parents were concerned for their own safety. They were wondering what was happening to the neighborhood, why the cops weren't working any faster. A lot of parents would just, I guess, took the kids in as soon as school was over. Like the, I want to say the park was empty, but it was kind of like half empty than what it usually used to be. And it was a big story that year. Now, being eight at that time, I don't remember anything, but I remember it was a big story. But that was the first time in my life I knew, okay, a kid can die. And not only die, but die before the parents. And what made it worse, it wasn't a kid who naturally died. It was a kid who, okay, who got, a, who got taken by someone who thought, I guess, she could trust as well. Because this is a neighbor, apparently she knew. And that was it. But here's where it kind of gets, I guess, more darker. And, you know, we got to talk about this, though. According to the guy who took her in the first place, I don't recall what his name was. But what I do know, he's serving 25 years in prison. And June 20th of this year, it's going to be 15 years for that guy. So he's still in prison? Yeah. He said 25 years, 20, sometime 2004, he was jailed for that when they proved them. Or no, I think it was 2006, actually. Yeah, 2006 it was when they jailed him. So I think it's roughly 15 years now, unless Mike Matthews is wrong about that. But yeah, he's still serving time because initially it's 25 years, which, if I'm not mistaken, could go on until 2030. Well, and I don't know what's going to happen after that or what the deal is, but that's as far as I know about the case. But anyway, going back to the guy, though, he said he was watching, or as, they, or as it's known as, child pornography. I don't know if that was in the same day, same year, I mean, same month or whatever. But apparently he kept going at it, kept going at it. And you know, the thing is about the internet, and this is where the internet has a downfall. It was accessible. So he knew how to get there, sit there and watch this kind of thing. And he even admitted to himself while in court. That yes, yeah, so somehow I just felt the rush of adrenaline of me wanting to do the same thing. Now, he, you know, he didn't say if he knew it was right or wrong. But I'm thinking he's a smart guy and he knew that. Even though he was feeling his adrenaline rush of, okay, I want to go do this and see him win the video. And I guess one night he took it too far, the watching of it, where he actually broke into that, or I don't know how he got in. Apparently he was silent, though. You know, sometime in the middle of the night, or I think that was, oh no, sorry, the evening is when he came after. I'm confusing the story here, sorry. He took her while she was walking away from school or her friends or something like that. I know, and the same night, I guess he did exactly what you see in these videos. Go make out with a young kid. Not only is that wrong and illegal, but come on, that is, as Michael will say, some ungodly stuff right there. 
No. And and that's what he did, though. Uh, you know. And apparently he strangled her sometime after that. And to cover up his tracks, or so he was hoping to, I guess. He dismantled the body. But sometime after, cops discovered missing parts, sink it together. And, you know, that's heavy stuff right there. Even right now, the talk about it's like, man, is this the life that we want to live in? And I'm hopefully, I'm thinking of one of them. But it also reminded me, and of course, I wouldn't have known this then, there's a bigger issue at hand. How people, you know, not only get their hands on child pornography, but how it escalates that kind of attempt. Well, yeah, and it really is a shame that this stuff is, and like the, the, the part that really bothers me is that 20, almost 20 years later, nearly 20 years later, this type of thing is still happening. Yeah. And so then that's the part that really bothers me, and that's why we discussed this case. Yeah, it happened 20 years ago, and you, and you may be thinking, oh, well, there's Brett's previous case, or there's more recent cases that you can mention, but does that not kind of prove our points here, that this is continuing to happen, and this really needs to stop? We should be banding together as a community. And that's the part that really upsets me, is that so many people were actually angered by these Amber Alerts and didn't do anything. Not to say you should have done something, but, like, you should be banding together as a community. Like, I'm tired of us, yeah, we come together, with, like, of us banding together when when the boats are, have already flown, when the knife has already been stabbed into some poor person's back. I'm tired, when the blood's already hit the ground, I'm tired of people being there then to clean up, like, we need to be there from before to prevent the message yeah. from happening. And the thing is, is like, clearly, we're not doing that. We're moving to some extent here, but it's still not enough. And meanwhile, you got the government system trying to weigh us down with money. That's a whole different story now. But the point is, they got their priorities in the wrong spot. Like, they we're losing way too many lives here. These are people's lives. Like, this is your mom. This is your mom. Your, this isn't. This goes beyond just children. This is your mom, your dad, your sister, your uncle, your brother. Like, this is someone that you know and love. And yeah. they're just gone, just like yeah. that. And this is such a, br- a bit of what I just said. It's like, it's one thing to see this type of material on the internet and go watch it. But the whole different story when you're, you're looking at a kid. And let's, get, let's be serious here. When you're a kid, you don't really have sexual feelings. And you don't develop till you're 13. So even if, you know, a kid understood what the heck was going on, you scorn them for life. And they're going to see that, how should I say, as sex is evil. Now, I'm not going to comment. Now, this episode is about, okay, is evil or good or both? We can, you know, talk about that in a different episode. But just to briefly touch on that, it's like, well, there's a reason we're humans and we have those kind of feelings. But it's also a point where we can take it too far. And fortunately, society has gone too far. That 75%, now this is a random number we're making up, the 75% of people see it as, you know, it's evil. Whereas 25%, no, it's not that evil. Which, you know, I can understand both sides of the story. Being, you know, we're young people too and see how society... I can con- yeah. condemn the issue or talks about it at least. But it goes back to Arthur. It's the same activity the guy started up in his basement, which actually led him to do a real thing. And he's like, who knows if you actually would have done that? What I'm saying is like, you know, he was influenced to do it. Had he not watched it, would he have done the same thing? Maybe, maybe not. I can't comment on that. Or what he's ever hoped not, though. But it goes to show that the influence on this, as people call it, harmless activity, is really not harmless. And like, it really is a shame because now you think you see this happening with like children too and like a, a girl at that age of 11 shouldn't have to be questioning like and now this is you think about this affects us as a community because now young girls shouldn't be wondering hmm can i really trust my father because that was her father that was someone who she should look be able to look up to and be able to trust a father is someone who takes care of his own he takes care of his wife he takes care of his children you shouldn't have to be wondering hmm 
is my dad, even if your parents aren't together anymore, you shouldn't be yeah. wondering, hmm, is my daddy going to come after me? Is my daddy going to come and take me? Is he really going to take me to his house or is he going to take me somewhere else? Could my daddy hurt me? Children should not have to be wondering that. No one should have to be wondering that. It really is a shame that a young girl had to lose her life in such a horrific way. Yeah, and the thing is, kids are going to wonder that now. Now, not by saying that, though, not all kids are, you know, can even recognize, I guess, the whole situation as what it really is. So kids are going to say, okay, the girl is missing. And that's all they can comprehend. That, okay, this little girl is gone. Whereas some kids are going to pick up on it and say, oh, my God, I know what happened. Or, like, you know, it's making sense to them. Exactly, and the same way you're saying... But what really gets me is like, you know, the kids who aren't going to really comprehend this or don't get it are the ones who are probably more vulnerable. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing, and you're thinking, oh, because we live in... We used to live in a culture where, like... Or, like, sometimes people would, like, hide things. We'd hide things from our children and yeah. don't want them to see things. But, like you're saying, everything is more accessible now and becoming more and more accessible. So the same way I wasn't even in the country and was still able to find out and was still kept up to date with what was happening and was seeing through Twitter, young children have access to, the, to, those, to those outlets now. They have access to Twitter, too. So although you may be trying to hide them from seeing it on the news, what's hiding, what's stopping them from seeing it on their phones? And they're just like, wait, this is happening? Wait, what's happening here? Her father took her? And what are her classmates to think? Now her classmates are wondering, wait, am I really safe? Because this is happening, like, right? Yeah. This is happening all to them. Like, what are her classmates to think? What are her teachers to think? Yeah. Um, I don't remember the name of the school she went to or at least had connections with. But I know the few teachers are at the uh, vigil they held. Today is, what, Thursday? I think that was Tuesday night then. The vision they held for her. Some teachers spoke as well, and you know, they are themselves were shooken up. I mean, that school I don't think was too far from where the dad or someone, the dad lived there, or where the parents were wound up, something like that. And that's what you need to realize. Like, it's not just like this affects everyone as a community. This affects all of us. This doesn't just affect the poor girl whose life is no longer there. This doesn't just affect the the mother who is grieving over the loss of her child. Yeah. And probably blaming herself for passing off the child. But that too. Yeah, like this isn't just a story about a guy who murdered a young person. No, this is a father who, however it happened, you know, took his artist's life. And then, okay, let's just end that. Exactly. All the stories that come out is like, you know, child, children, child abuse or children violence, however you want to call it. And you put a label on child abuse. Okay, what is child abuse now? Now you can say, okay, it's a sexual thing. Not always, but then you realize that's a bigger story you just open up now. So the chain reaction, one story to the next. And these are things you will address a little more in certain, I mean, in upcoming episodes. We're just trying to keep it more on, you know, here's a scenario and sort of a reaction on it now. But, you know, going back to the case I was talking about from 2003, uh, that child's name was Holly Jones. And, yeah, those parents were shooken up, all right. I need to learn that, her that their daughter was missing, what this guy also did to it. And I know during the actual trial, the father did not appear. Because he said if he appeared and saw the, the guy who murdered his child, he probably wouldn't have any well. And he's probably right for saying that. Because I too would be in that state of mind. You know, I want to beat this guy up or, you know, you better die for what you did. And, you know, he was smart in that sense to say, okay, I'm staying away from the whole scene. Because, you know, he knew or he had an idea it wouldn't end well. Maybe he was wrong, but there's a chance that could have happened though. Well, if someone was to ever lay just a finger on my child, I would go ballistic if I was to come face to face with that person. And to think about if someone was to do, was to was to kill my child, rape my child, or sorry, was to was to abduct my child, rape my child, and then dismember my child, and then I came face to face with that person, I'd probably want to do the exact same thing to them. Well, minus the rape part, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'd probably want to do the exact same, I'd probably want to dismember that person myself. I know a feeling that stuff, it's human nature. We all get 
can't stop when something really, really bad happens either to us or a family member. And that's the difference between, and that's the difference there, and that's the thing that you got to think of is the difference between actually thinking of a crime, this is something that I'm going to do, and yeah. that's the difference between acting on a crime. Like, that guy you mentioned in the 2003 case, like, he actually sit down and he actually thought about, hmm, you know what, this is something that I want to do. He actually thought it out. There's there's Roman terms for it, or it's Roman or Latin, but I can't remember the terms at the moment, yeah. but there's certain terms for an act versus something that you've actually thought and planned out. So this is something that he thought and planned out versus if the, the father was to come face to face with that guy, he would just act out of passion and just beat the guy. He hadn't thought about, oh, I'm going to get this guy. He just acts out of out of yeah. rage. Which is why he stayed away from the, from the courtroom, because he knew there was a chance he would go ballistic and that could have turned into a whole different story now so like in that sense okay your manager says okay you know i'm just gonna stay away just you know watch it on tv or get information or the way because that father realized that two wrongs don't make a right yeah and the thing is about this guy though is like it was a train reaction like i said you're in your house access the internet you find stuff you start watching and you don't realize at the moment or for anyone for that matter whatever you get hooked on whatever drugs alcohol and whatever else you get hooked on something, you may not realize it, but eventually you get brainwashed and influence to, to the point like you are not who you are anymore, but you're still going to go do the evil thing, I should say, which in that scenario was what that guy did, which made it worse. You know, you strangled the kid, you dismembered their body. Like that was a whole different level now, only for the cops or investigators to find, you know, parts here and there until you eventually realize it was a body, you know, in different pieces, I should say. And even that's, you know, tough to like, I'm sure it's tough to see in a job like that, forensic guys or whatever they, they are. Exactly, because I can only imagine how it feels to put together the piece of that puzzle and find out that puzzle is a dead little girl. And, you know, to take it to a whole different level of, I guess, brutality, you got someone's got to tell the parents. And the parents, of course, I mean, if I want to see the body too, even if it was, you know, dismembered. Exactly, like, I really feel for the police now, because they had, then had to turn around and say, we're sorry, but your missing person's cases turn into a murder case. Yeah. And the thing is, this is like maybe almost 20 years after. Who knows where that family... I'm hoping it did heal to some extent, but I know you never... There's a part that won't heal. And that's that I understand. You can never truly heal from something like that. You can... You just can't. Like you... yeah. And the thing is, like that little girl also had two other siblings, a brother and a sister. And they were also by young at the same time as well. Yeah. I don't know, I couldn't remember that part, I guess, after all these years, but eventually the article kind of brushed back my memory on it. And the thing is, like, they were about her same age, and who knows what they were comprehending that time, either. But the mom said, you know, I'm a grandparent now for one of the child, and in some sense, you know, I'm happy. I feel as happy as I never felt before in such a long time. But she know, okay, that happiness isn't going to cover up the pain of what happened. And even as many years as goes as that is, it's, it's a sad and tragic thing. But I guess in some sense is what I'm saying was like, eventually something's going to make you happy again. It doesn't mean you forgot your child or, you know, you're going to forget what happened. No, you won't. It just means something is going to make you happy, though. And for that um, lady's case, I think her name was Maria. She has a grandkid for one of her kids. I don't know which one, but it's happy. So there's something, you know. Say, okay, there's a grandkid. I know it doesn't bring back my daughter, but it brings some happiness to the family again, I guess. Sure, they have, you know, struggled to find happiness. And maybe. And I imagine that. But another case in 2003, this one happened in the fall, or at least started happening then. Um, this Chinese girl, I think her name was Cecilia Yang, or the Yang or Zhang, last name. 
I might be saying it wrong. Either way, she was taken as well by the other guy. I don't... Uh, on October 20th of 2003. Now, they didn't find her body till March 24, 2004. So that was like a six-month six month gap. But the thing is, according to the guy who took her, his attempt was, you know, he wants ransom money. He was an international student who came to study at Seneca. I forget what it was. But he wants, you know, get a, a visa. No, sorry, not a visa. A PR. He wanted to apply for a permanent residence then, you know, to stay in the country. But he realized he was like a broke student. So I don't know where this idea comes from, but he figured, okay. Again, this is someone who knew the family, but I don't know how well he knew them. But he broke into the house, say, roughly three or four o'clock in the morning. Takes the girl out of bed and, you know, dumps her in the back of his car. Here's the thing, though. He said he didn't, he didn't want to have happen. He didn't want her to be dead. But guess what? He strangled her so hard, he didn't even realize his own force, I guess. He said, okay, I just want to rent some money. Switch your girl for some money. That was his intent, he said. But, you know, after he gets her to wherever, I guess, he lived, he realizes the girl's longer breathing. He's dead. He held her with too much force. And that's when he kind of, I guess, the realization hit him. You, you, well, not only did you screw up, but you killed someone in the process. And that's when, you know, something I say. You work with the devil, guess what? The devil backstabs you. Your intent was to kill the girl. But unfortunately, you know what you did now. Now, I'm sure not to be hell in his conscience for the fact that, you know, he knows what he did. And I think if I read the article correctly, he's serving maybe 15 years. Or maybe, no, I think he's still serving, actually. Or it could be the same amount, 25 years. But the thing is, I also read he's going to get deported once that's over. I don't think, okay, well, yeah, the guy's evil in what he did. But should we really deport him? I mean, is that going to help him? His case, if he goes doing that again? No. And I know in, you know, in China, the laws are different, which I don't really understand at all, which is where he came from, by the way. They said, okay, the China's going to handle him once he gets back, whatever that means, however their punishment works. But I'm saying, you know, this is a guy who did that. He needs help. Not throw him back in a country where he may do it again. Even if he did come from China. You know what I mean? It's tragic as that was. I think eventually they found the body in some, yeah, eventually in March of 2004 they did. And that was like the second biggest case in terms of child, child abduct, abduction that year, 2003 to now. Now, there's been plenty more over the years and different circumstances. At least what I couldn't say, well, they couldn't find evidence of him uh, sexually assaulting the girl or anything. And I hope that wasn't, that actually didn't happen. They said by the time they find the body it was so, I guess, decom, de- I can't even say the word, decomposed, I guess. Basically, they couldn't identify, you know, if he did anything to her or not. Probably not, because he realized eventually the girl died in his hands. And I hope he didn't either. Whereas in the first case, that was what actually happened in a different set of circumstances. But it goes back to, if you need money, that's not the right thing to do. Ransom money or whatever it is you think of, where that idea came from, I don't know. Because think about it. Your story is, okay, I'm a guy who came internationally, I'm studying Seneca, I'm hoping to make a life here. But not too soon after, however long this happened, that was your idea to get money. And guess what? That backfired. Instead of coming to make a life here, you came to make a jail time here. And no one you know, comes here to do that, even as evil as they are. But the truth is, you do something like that, you're going to get caught. And, you know, these guys who do their jobs are good for a reason. And because of their job, they're a person too, and they're trying to help someone. Yeah, sometimes they may even go out of the way extra hours just to get this guy or whatever. But those are the big stories for that year. And I remember them vividly, like, you know, once I read them over. I was seeing TV, they were interviewing other kids at the school, seeing what their thoughts on this. And, you know, this little boy from Macau saying, they shouldn't do this, not right, you shouldn't take Cecilia. And I think at that point in time, he knew his classmate was, you know, I shouldn't say, made it, a bit, made it to the afterlife then, I should say. And 
to be at 10 and you realize your classmate's gone, that takes an impact on you all, right? And, you know, if that was especially your friend, to be honest, though, when you're in class, everybody's your friend. Unless otherwise something happened. With, but generally speaking, you know, everyone in your class is your friend. And, you know, once they're gone, you kind of lost a part of yourself as well. And we know about that from when our friend died last year, which was a different sort of sense, um, set of circumstances. But the point is, he's still no longer here with us. Yeah. So not only is it okay, you make, if someone makes a choice to do something, or you make a choice to harm someone, but, you know, the influence as well. And that's what we gotta realize. It's not just the mother that lost her daughter. We, as a community, we lost our daughter. And those are big stories I hear. Everybody was kind of like keeping a real close eye on their own kid, probably pulling him from the park, and, I mean, the park, if, where they probably like to play it. And, you know, if that was a kid who really didn't get it, you're like, Mom, why are you interrupting my playtime? This isn't fair. And, you know, I get that when you're a kid. You know, you, I guess your world is limited in terms of what you see around you and believe or that kind of thing. But you think I was young, too. I didn't quite say I got everything. But one thing made sense. You kill a kid, that ain't right. You deserve jail time. I knew what jail was at that point in time. But I think that's changed with me over the years, even as we studied journalism. It's like, I'm not too sure, you know, everyone who does something bad is, you know, inherently evil. Because sometimes you get so tempted, like what happened to that guy in 2003, you act out on it. What did, did he, okay, what I'm saying is, this, you know, what he did was really bad, was evil. Sure, he deserves some consequence for that. But how do we help the guy, you know, be a better person? Because think about it, once he's out of jail and he hasn't received any help, how long is he going to last before he says, oh my God, freedom, I can go do what I did. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, you know, you're right, it's freedom, but what kind of freedom are you going to seek for yourself? So what would you say are your final thoughts on the situation that happened yeah. with this 4-11-year-old girl? Yeah. To be honest, I guess there's a lot I could say. You know, one situation to a next, the next to another, and stuff like that. But the truth of the matter is, well, not only am I scared and realize the you know, action needs to be taken, but then I realize, you know, I want kids too. I want to bring them into the role, you know, get a family going. But when you hear stuff like that, and you're young, and, you know, you're young, and you still, still live in a single hood, or you're in a relationship now, whatever your story is, you sit there and think about that. You probably think, is this the role I want to bring kids into? Or you probably think, so, how am I going to handle kids when, you know, I have trouble handling my own life? <laughs> and, you know, kids are a handful. But they're also a joy to be around. And I know that because I worked with some during my uh, high school years when I did uh, cooperative education, which is kind of like an internship. You know, you go out and they pair you up with, I guess, your interests. Which I told them, okay, I'll try this kindergarten class. And, you know, they were a handful. <laughs> you know, they were good kids too. Some of them, you know, had some bad things going on. But that's kindergarten. And, you know, kids deserve to pass, you know, 10, 11, 12 kindergarten and deserve a life to live. Not have a cut by 15 or 10 or worse, 2 or something like that. Now, by all means, if a natural thing happens, like, you know, cancer, it's beyond our own control. Unfortunately, we just hope, you know, the kid will survive. And a circus on that. But if you're talking about a kid, who, you know, who's genuinely healthy, gen- sorry, generally healthy, he's like, don't do that. And I know you might argue, okay, these people don't think about what they're going to do and things like that and so forth and so forth. But the truth of the matter is, take a look around. So I'm talking about, I talked about two cases from 2003. Here we are in 2019, and in terms of these cases, I haven't seen much changes. And a few other things I mentioned as well, which we will touch base on that in other episodes coming up, and so forth. But then the truth of the matter is, child violence needs to stop. Not only, not only because you're a parent. Think about when you're not a parent, or think about when you're a grandparent. Or in fact, look at the two of us, where you, you know, we're young people who haven't, I guess, haven't restarted life yet either. 
and you know, at 10, you don't restart life at all. You're still with your parents, and that's not a bad thing, but you're under their care. And, you know, they would hope to do the best for you. But when you look at the scenario, that was a father who did that. Which, as a man of faith, I see you this way. The devil set you up. Because people want to say, how can I trust you now? Well, more or less, how can I trust family now? And you're right, I don't have the answer to that. Now you're thinking, why do you got to allow it to happen? I don't have an answer for that either. But what I can say is that, and here's my, here's my I guess, analogy. Remember, God loves us all, regardless of what we do. So, you know, you know God's not going to force us to love him. We have that, you know, free will choice. Because if you force someone to love you, you know, you're not letting them be them. And that's essentially the same thing with God. So what I'm saying is, yes, God maybe didn't intervene in the situation or something like that. But at the end of the day, he couldn't force that not to, you know, to walk away from what he was about to do. It was either dad did it or, he, you know, God said stop when you listen to him. It could have been as simple as that. Because the thing is, you know, God's not going to force us. We got to make the choice. Are we with God or are we not with God? And, you know, the thing is, but if, and if, you, and if you believe in the afterlife, I believe, okay, her journey continues there. Maybe what it is, but it continues in the afterlife. You know, if you're a believer in that. Or if you believe, you know, she went to heaven and that's where she would be for eternity or however, whatever your faith is. You know, I believe in that too. But let's put it this way, though. Even though she's technically not here with us, uh, you know, in a physical body then, her memory can still, you know, live on. But don't let the only the memory live on. You know, realize, okay, we got to come together as a community and put away our selfishness as you don't say interrupt, don't, don't say something, don't interrupt me at four o'clock in the morning. Well, take the interruption and see, okay, if you can do anything about it. Because the truth is, if that was you, I'm sure you want someone to find you and get out of that situation. If you were, if you made it out, I guess. But seeing that that's at the scenario, unfortunately, you know, I can give my thoughts and prayers and hope for this family. Not only this family, though. All families who have been affected by such similar scenario or something involving the younger kid, 10, 9, or whatever age they may have been. And the thing is about the dad, though, was like, he tried to pretty much gun himself down afterwards. Apparently he failed, but they caught him at some point after. It didn't quite fail because last night, you know, the news said he passed away as well. Who knows what's going to happen to him? You know, was he sorry? Was he remorseful? Somebody said, ah, that guy's going to hell now. Maybe, maybe he is. I don't know. I would like to believe in him on Gozer, though. Maybe, you know, he prayed for forgiveness before. He realized, okay, I'm going down now. And you're saying, well, you know, this guy's a dirtbag or whatever. You're right. I don't, agree, I don't disagree with any of that statement. But the truth of the matter is, He's just a man too. And, you know, that could have been anyone who did that in those circumstances. I'm not saying, okay, I'm here to be defending the guy. I'm angry at what he did, though. Don't get me wrong on that. I'm angry and I want, you know, if he's still alive, I want to beat him up myself. Even though, because, you know, I don't have physical capabilities. Either. But that's how angry I was. At the same time, my compassionate, my compassionate side, as I call it, kicks in. And, you know, it's why I acknowledge, okay, what really happened to this guy or could have happened or what I'm down this road. Even the family was surprised because they said they went to a wedding sometime in the holidays and he seemed all normal and happy and dancing or whatever it was. Now, maybe he might have something deeper down himself then that they didn't know about. Or if it was kind of random, it was like, okay, well, I'm to that route. Truth is, we won't know that because they're both no longer in the family. But the family itself, I wish, or I don't know, not even wish, I just pray, you know, somehow you're able to move on, find some happiness. I'm not saying forget it because you never will. But, you know, you're able to get back up on this. Say, okay, life shot me down, now I'm going to get back up. Well, what do you have to say about, I guess, the whole recap of it? thoughts on it would be that we legit need to, we need to actually legitimately, not just, not just literally, we need to actually, actually, sorry, wake up as a community. Like, we need to actually wake up because a lot of people were sleeping during this and, like, people 
like literally slept on this. And, and like so, those who have the phone still on when I got a notification then. Mm-hmm. So we need to wake up to this and realize that we can't allow this to go on anymore. We need to come together as a community. We can't hate on each other. We need to preach, preach love, not war. And we need to realize that this can happen to to people and like you never realize and we need to check in on people because you never know when because people can just go off that easily like like you're saying that a man may have seen normal and like every, not normal sorry he may have seemed seemed um okay and like everything was good with him but you never know on the, how someone truly is on the inside and you can't always turn people inside out so what you got to do is you got to bring out their words and you got to talk to them and see what's going on here and this really does break my heart how this whole situation fell out but this can be changed and we can actually do something about this so don't just sleep on this and well yeah i know i mentioned earlier that we need to do stuff from before but you also need to realize that you can always do something after we don't just be like oh well this has already happened we can do stuff now and you can still make a change for the better it's never too late to change yes her life is gone and you can't bring her back but you can also save someone else's life you can save a next girl's life. You can save her classmate's life. So, yeah, what my uh, other host, Russ, said, he can, you know, take some action, do something about it. And don't think because, you know, oh, I'm eight years old, the government going to listen to me. And don't doubt yourself, kid. The government can listen to you if you really stood with the crowd. And, you know, there is strength in numbers. So I'm saying, well, no matter your age, no matter your generation, no matter your race, ethnicity, or whatever it is, put those aside and come together. It could be a five-year-old, ten-year-old, six-year-old for that matter. And, you know, put that aside. I mean, put your sort of differences aside and come together and fight for the cause. Now, I don't fight as you go punch someone down. Don't, don't do that. That's a whole different story. What it means is make state a message, though, and make sure it's being heard. Because I heard the first time, you go back the second day, so forth and so forth. You think about guys like Martin Luther King. He didn't get his message across overnight. In fact, I'm pretty sure no or correct me if I'm wrong, but no one was with him in the beginning. He was, like, probably solo. As he said, he's walking on his own. Eventually, people just came to him. So, yeah, I agree for you, stand for. It's like, yeah, let's fight this battle and things like that. And all the other guys and ladies, you know, who made a difference in the past. And it goes back to this, you know, we got to put a stand together. Not just for one issue. This is part of a bigger, I guess, sort of a bigger story then. Yeah, and we got to remember that united we stand, divided we fall. Yeah. And as Martin Luther King once said, let no man bring you low enough to hate him. And that is true because the thing is, there's always going to be reason to hate someone. And then look around his family. You say, you know what? I can't forgive this guy, even if he is my own blood. And then there's also going to be like, you know what? For some reason, I forgive you. Not because, you know, I'm taken away from what you did. I just forgiving you to free myself as well. Take a look at the uh, Humboldt bus crash thing. I know we're diving all fair with, but some of those parents of those kids sat there, looked again in the courtroom, say, you know what? I don't know what happened or why it happened or what was in your mind at the time. But for some reason, I just forgive you. I forgive you in the fact that, you know, you're only human. And, you know, you didn't mean to kill my kids. And I understand that. But unfortunately, it happened. Whereas some parents can't do it. And you know what? I don't blame you for that. We are humans after all. There are boundaries, I guess, of um, of saying sorry to each other and a true genuine apology. It's different for everyone. So, if, you know, if you can do it, think it over is all I'm saying. If you can't, no one, you know, blames you for that. You're all after a human. It's a time we just can't, you know, do something in the moment or do it afterwards. And that is okay too. Just remember one thing though. Your happiness. Go out there and get some happiness. It ain't going to be easy. It won't be overnight. And you think to yourself, nah, it's impossible right now. But trust me, you'll find something to be happy about. That doesn't mean you're going to forget your pain, but it means, you know, you can also smile while you're in pain. 
And I think that's a beautiful thing right there. In fact, I remember a quote by said, but what's her name? Uh, singer Demi Lovato. There's nothing more beautiful than someone who struggled throughout the years. Oh, no, sorry. Nothing more beautiful than a person who smiles. I'm saying it kind of wrong. But anyway, nothing more beautiful than the person who smiles that they have, str- who have struggled through the years. And I agree with that quote anyway. What do you think of that one? Yeah, I very much agree. Yeah. So this is not the end. And, you know, the people's voices are having some major changes. And we will be back hopefully sooner for the next episode. But I guess for a few topics, relating not into this sort of scenario, but to branch out and explain more about our takes and thought about it and how we can go more forward with it, definitely want to explore, like, you know, maybe the internet itself, you know, how it can influence you, not influence you, something like that. Or it could be, you know, just race play a factor in, you know, these things happening and some stuff like that we can talk about. But, you know, if you're the parents and if by chance you happen to see any of this, um, I would definitely love to, you know, sit and talk with you. I know you just make, may not make any difference and you're saying, well, my kid's gone or whatever. Yeah, you're right. You don't have to talk to me, but if you see anyone talk, not a problem. Just, you know, hit us by uh, um, any of our social media or if you're not, I guess, keen on that, email works too. The people's voices. So people's with an S, voices with an S. T-O at gmail.com once again. The people's voices. T-O at gmail.com. And, you know, if you need help getting in contact with us, I'm sure people will be more than happy to help you with that. And, you know, I guess what I'm going to wrap up by saying, you know, stay strong. Eventually your happiness will, or some sort of form of happiness is going to find you or you will find it. And, you know, just because you're in pain doesn't mean you can't be happy. So don't feel guilty about that either. You can be both being in pain and happy at the same time. Struggle and, you know, not struggle at the same time. Be friendly and be angry at the same time. Do what you must. Just remember though, you're only human and no one condemns you. Or even someone does, they're not the boss of you. So no one condemns you for how, I guess, your reaction aftermath and what you do after. And never feel guilty because, you know, you're happy even though you're in pain or you didn't forget the pain, but you truly is okay. I want to be happy today. So from the People's Voices, I'm your, I'm your host, Big Brother Love, and... I'm Mr. Jamstate. And we will see you again in the next episode. Until then, I think, you know, just stay strong. <laughs>